1: Welcome in to Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. I'm your host tonight, Toby Altizer, the real leader of the youngest-in-charge movement. Let me tell you, Lanell Willingham, that's my guy. It was fun working with him last night. I'm younger than him, so I'm taking his movement. Youngest-in-charge movement tonight here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer in with you guys got a fun show planned. We're going to talk about some of the new rules in Major League Baseball. We're going to talk with Kyle Glazer here in just a few moments. Got some Sam Howell news. Ron Rivera was talking at the Combine. Mentioned something about Sam Howell. We'll get that audio for you, and we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. At 8 o'clock, you won't want to miss this. we got a Pro Football Hall of Famer on the the airwaves. Leroy Butler is going to join the show, a Packers legend. He's going to give us a little insight into the Combine, little insight into Aaron Rodgers and maybe what the commanders should look for if they're drafting a corner. We'll get back into that NFLPA report card in a little bit. And look, I know when I mentioned that, we've talked about that plenty over the last couple of days. If you listen to this radio station at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This NFLPA report card that was pretty, pretty scathing for the commanders. But let me just say... I got a little bit of a different approach to it, so don't just tune out when you hear that once again. Talk a little bit about other things going on in the NFL as well and keep an eye on the Wizards game tonight as well. But leading off for us tonight is Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. He joins us on the BetQL guest line. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting betql.com. Talking with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Is he? There he is. Okay. Uh, Kyle, uh, appreciate you joining us tonight. We got to start with the major difference so far in spring training, and that's the obvious, the rule changes Before we get into some of the different things about it, I want to get your initial thoughts. Like, What do you think about the the new rules?
0: Yeah, the new rules are going to be a huge benefit for the game long-term. We at Baseball America have been writing and reporting about them for the better part of two years. I'm out here in Southern California, so I saw the pitch clock when it was first implemented in the Cal League in 2021, wrote about it then, how it was improving everything. Time of game, pace of play, offense was going up. And then last year, across the minor leagues, as the pitch clock proliferated, each league, or every level, I should say, saw its average time of game decline between 18 and 31 minutes. This is going to have a monumental effect on Major League Baseball, just as it did the minors. And, you know, I'm a purist at heart in a lot of ways, but this just made for a better product watching it in action for two years.
1: Yeah, see, I'm a little skeptical. And when I heard about all this stuff, I, I was pretty skeptical. I watched a spring training game on the TV the other day, and it maybe changed my mind just a little bit. Uh, The question I have off of that is it's fine implementing it in spring training in the way that they have where they've been pretty strict. You know, If the batter's not looking at the eight-second mark, you you get the automatic strike. Are they going to be this strict when it gets to the regular season or are we going to see them ease it down a little bit and make it a little more accommodating to the players?
0: No, they're going to be strict. Spring training is the trial run where players get to figure it out in low-pressure environments. Once opening day starts, they're going to be strict, and it's one of those things where, again, seeing it in action throughout the minors last few years, you know, the first few weeks it can be a little rocky. You're going to see more violations called. You will probably see a couple of blow-ups where a batter gets an automatic strike called on him he's not happy about. A pitcher gets an automatic ball called him, on him he's not happy about. But over time, the players adapt and adjust. You give it four to six weeks, and things start to run pretty smoothly. You know, Obviously, there's the nightmare scenario, as we saw in spring training. It happens in the regular season, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, tie game, and the game ends uh, because an automatic strike is called, or if it's the other way around, the automatic ball is called. It forces the winning run home. Also, that's not great, but at the same time, the players know the rules. It's on them to be in the box on time. It's on them to start their deliveries on time. And Major League Baseball is absolutely going to enforce this, say, you know the rules, you need to play by them, or you know, if something bad happens, that's kind of on you.
1: Talking with Kyle Glazer, senior writer at Baseball America, here on Overtime on 106.7, the fan. My question is, because I don't feel like the length of the game was as much of a problem with baseball. Like A three-hour, three-minute game, I understand that maybe some games go long, but I think overall it was fine, and this is obviously going to shorten it. But is it going to increase offense? Because I feel like that was more the issue than the length of games. Obviously, you have the shift ban, and I think that's going to help. But do you think overall this year we could see more offense because of these rule changes?
0: What you're going to see is an increase in action. Um, what you're going to see is a lot less dead time. And so it, it's funny. You'll go to some games, and it's 4-2. to two. But you'll feel like a lot more happens, just a quicker pace. You, you know, you generally did see more balls in play. You generally did, say, see higher batting averages just because of the pitch clock actually is interesting. Uh, the shift restrictions in the minors didn't materially change the batting average on balls in play. Uh, what kind of got everything, you know, fewer strikeouts, fewer walks, more balls in play was actually just the pitch clock. Um, there's definitely going to be a sense of increased action that also includes stolen bases. Uh, We're already seeing them spike in spring training. We saw them spike in the minors. Attempts are going to go up. Success rates are going to go up. Um, So even though, you know, it might still be a 3-2, 4-2 game, you'll walk out of there, and it's a very different feeling that's hard to explain until you sit and witness it for yourself.
1: I think the one good thing I'll have to say about these is I still try to adjust to these rules, Kyle, is that... Major League Baseball didn't dilly-dally with it. They just they put it in. You know, this is the rules. This is how we're going with it. This is how it's going to be. Get used to it. So off of that, going forward, are there any other rule changes, maybe an electronic strike zone that you see coming down the pike pretty soon?
0: Well, keep in mind, they actually implemented a pitch clock in the minors as far back as 2015 at AAA, and they kept adjusting it, tweaking it. Um, then they kind of put the current iteration of the pitch clock and other rules for the minors in 2021. So, you actually have an entire generation of pitchers and and players who came up through the minors and have experience with pitch clocks now. It's been eight years since it was first put in, so it really wasn't just suddenly implemented. They kind of eased it in over time in the minors to the point now a lot of guys actually have experience with it in some form or fashion. In terms of the electronic strike zone, that has not been a success in the minor leagues. It has not produced the results desired. What you're looking at now is actually going to be sort of a challenge system where instead of the robo umps or the electronics uh or the computer calls balls and strikes every single pitch you're not going to have that what you're going to have is the umpires are still calling balls and strikes but if there's a particular call that a team doesn't agree with they can challenge it that has gone a lot smoother in the minor leagues than a fully automated automated ball strike system and that's what i think we will see in the majors when the time comes the challenge system i the technology is still not good enough to have an automated ball strike system uh, start to finish.
1: I like that challenge idea. I think that's going to be interesting to see when or if that gets implemented. Let's shift over to the Nationals. I think a lot of going into this season is going to be taking a look at the prospects, maybe in the minor leagues or maybe guys coming up to the majors. Outside of Cade Cavalli, are there any prospects that you could see the Nationals calling up this season to get some work at the big league level?
0: I mean, I mean, most of their best guys are, are in the lower levels, right? You know, Robert Hassel, James Wood, Brady House. These are all guys who need more time in the minors, a full year or more. And look, the Nationals, there's no reason to rush these guys. The worst thing you could do is rush these guys. Let them stay in the minors. Let them get their feet wet. Let them make adjustments. Let them go through their ups and downs and their struggles. And look, the Nationals are going to have to be patient. This team will not be good next year, this year. It will not be good in 2024, and it probably won't be good in 2025. This is a five-year, four- to five-year rebuild that they've embarked upon. Um, it's going to be a while. So really what you want to look for this year is just the guys we've already seen In the majors, take a step forward. You want to see Josiah Gray take take a step forward. National fans haven't seen Mackenzie Gore, but he was in the majors last year. You want to see him take a step forward. You You saw one start from Cavalli last year. You want to see him take a step forward. It's going to be more about the guys who have already gotten to the majors, seeing them improve at that level, and the guys who are in the minors, just letting them get better in the minors.
1: Talking with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America, you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer. And two guys you mentioned Uh, Mackenzie Gore, uh, C.J. Abrams is another one that's made it to the majors. How confident are you that they can reach their potential of being some of the top prospects in all of baseball now that they're in the major leagues?
0: Yeah, so you know the thing with Gore is we've seen it in flashes. Um, He's just struggled to kind of maintain his delivery. I think it's still in there. You see the athleticism, you see the stuff, you see the mentality. And pitchers tend to take a while. Is he gonna be Clayton Kershaw two No, but that was never the case. People were getting a little ahead of themselves. But he can be a very good starting pitcher, maybe a number two, a good number three is a valuable thing. Um, and, you know, CJ Abrams, what you liked is he was rushed to the majors last year. I mean, he barely had any time in the minors. Uh, was not put in a position to succeed by the Padres and he held his own at shortstop, which was a question about him. Um, He still needs to get stronger. He's still a a very young kid, a very skinny kid, but you see the speed. He has some contact skills. He's got to just manage the strikes a little bit better. I I think there's absolutely a case where, yeah, Mackenzie Gore is a number two starter and CJ Abrams is a dynamic leadoff hitter, but, Again, they're very young. They need time, and I wouldn't expect it to magically click this year or maybe even next year. This is long-term development the Nationals are doing now, even in the major leagues.
1: One more with the Nats, because I didn't know a whole lot about James Wood when the trade was processed for Juan Soto. You know, Gore and Abrams were kind of headliners that you'd heard about. Wood was thrown in, and then now you look at where he's gotten in terms of his prospect ranking. He's one of the top guys in all the Major League Baseball. How high is his ceiling?
0: Yeah, I got to see a lot of James Wood last year when he was at Lake Elsinore, and I, we wrote about him extensively. His ceiling is is pretty monstrous. He's six seven, two hundred forty 240 pounds, left-handed hitter who can hit a baseball a mile and actually has some pretty good you know pitch recognition, strike zone discipline. Um, you know, there, there's a cerebral aspect to it, too. He could be a middle-of-the-order 30, 35, 40 home run monster if everything clicks. But he's also a very, very big guy. There's long levers there. There, there could be a lot of strikeouts, especially as he faces better pitching. One thing I would caution everyone is with minor league reorganization, the quality of the pitching at low A especially is absolutely atrocious. So he and everyone else at that level was feasting on really, really horrendous pitching. So seeing how he does in high A, which is kind of now where the pitching starts to get a little bit real, this year is going to be big. But from a pure ceiling perspective, I mean, this could be a 40-home run, middle-of-the-order monster.
1: Transitioning here, talking with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America, just a couple more for you. The World Baseball Classics coming up in just, what, next week? Who do you think is going to win this thing, and how good do you think Team USA is going to be?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a clear top three between the Dominican Republic, Japan, and Team USA. They're, that's the top tier. Any of those three can win the tournament, and you wouldn't call it an upset. They're all very, very close. Japan's pitching staff is is the best in the tournament. To me, that gives them the edge. It's Shohei Otani, Yu Darvish, and... Uh, U.S. fans are going to get an introduction to Roki Sasaki and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who are two of the best pitchers in Japan. Uh, Sasaki projects to be a number one starter in MLB when he comes over. Yamamoto projects to be a number two starter in MLB when he comes over. I mean, Japan's rolling out a a starting rotation of three number ones and a number two. Um, That, to me, gives them an edge. But, I mean, the Dominican lineup is stacked. As is Team USA's. I think Team USA, they are absolutely a gold medal contender Their starting pitching is a little on the weaker side, and they have a huge question at manager. Mark DeRosa's never managed or coached a game at the professional level, majors or minors. So Team USA should finish in the top three. They have a chance to win it all, but I wouldn't call them the favorite necessarily, but certainly not the singular favorite.
1: And speaking of favorites, one last one for you here. Going into the major league season, as we continue going through spring training, who would you say right now should be favorite to win the World Series?
0: I mean, I think you have to give it to the Astros. I mean, repeating is very, very, very hard, but they return eight of nine starters in their lineup, and they upgraded from Yuli Gurriel to Jose Abreu. I mean, losing Justin Verlander certainly hurts a lot, but they still have five stud starters and and potentially a sixth if Hunter Brown, their top prospect, delivers like people think he can. So um, this is still the team that has the best combination of starting pitching starting lineup and in bullpen and major league baseball and look they've been in four of the last six world series they, they've been there they know what they're doing and i think right now you look
1: at them they have to be the favorite kyle appreciate the time it's good to be talking baseball again yeah definitely happy to join you guys anytime that was kyle glazer he joined us on the BetQL guest hotline and we're going to continue talking a little bit about these new rules in baseball how do you feel about these new rules I think you heard from a writer's perspective, you've heard from my perspective just briefly that I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but I think people that cover baseball, people that work in baseball are probably going to be fans of this. But what are your thoughts on it? You can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener line at 800-636-1067. We'll take some of your calls. I'll give you my opinion on the MLB's new rules here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back into Overtime here on 106.7. The fan, the real leader of the youngest in charge movement, Toby Altizer in with you tonight up until 10 o'clock talking about Major League Baseball. New rules. If you've been watching spring training at all, if you followed it at all, pretty obvious that there's some new rule changes Going to lay those out for you, get some of your reaction. You want to give us a call? You can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor Listener Line at 800 636 1067. Want to get some of your thoughts on it. But first, I want to kind of lay out what these new rules are. So, first of all, the biggest difference in the game that you'll notice right away as soon as you turn on the TV, as soon as you go to the ballpark, there's a new pitch clock. We've seen clocks before for in-between innings that were kind of general guidelines like hey let's let's get going here and I believe it was like a 2 minute timer or so. Like we, we've seen general ideas, but these new clocks are going to be in major league stadiums and they're going to be enforced. They've been enforced in spring training already. So what are they? All right, so when it comes to pitching, you have 15 seconds to pitch with no runners on, 20 seconds with runners on. That Clock starts once you get the ball back after you've thrown the pitch. Now, I will say from the bits I've watched, at least the umpires are being somewhat reasonable with some of the things. Like, if you get thrown inside and you have to back off the plate, the umpire gives the batter just a brief second. But the batter must step into the box and be ready to hit with 8 seconds left on the pitch clock, or they will get a strike added to the count. And if a pitcher does not begin his wind up by the end of the clock, then they will have a ball added to the count. And in turn, there are also a couple other things added to it. The batter has one timeout that he can use for the entirety of the at-bat. Some guys have been using those in previous stops in the minors before they're at-bat. We saw this with Manny Machado where You got 30 seconds between batters. You got to get in the box. Again, you got to be ready to go with eight seconds. So get in there, get going. Some guys had to use the timeout beforehand because they got their routine they got to go through. So this is going to change a lot of things. And I think it might, honestly, as much as it's a pitch clock and it seems like it'd be on a pitcher thing, it might change more for the hitters. But quickly going through some of the other things, pitchers are only allowed two disengagements per plate appearance. Disengagements include throwovers, step-offs, and if you make a third disengagement, which would be you know, throwing over to first base, second base, to try and pick off a runner, you're allowed to do that, but if you don't get them, it's considered a balk. The other big rules, there is no more shift, or the big shift that you're used to seeing the last couple of seasons. You know, the big bopper, left-handed hitter steps up to the plate, and the entire left side of the infield basically vacates that's not going to be the case anymore. The rule is two on each side must be in the dirt at the pitch. And if there were an infraction, which I don't really see there being a whole lot of infractions for this, but if there is an infraction, the hitting team has the opportunity to either take the result of the play of the ball that was put in play. So say a guy still gets to first base With the guy illegally shifting, then they can just take the result of the play. Or you just go back and you add a ball to the count. And then the least noticeable, I don't know that any fans, if you're watching or listening on the radio, here on 106.7 to the Nats games, you're you're not going to notice that there's bigger bases. 15-inch bags, square-inch bags, go to 18-square-inch bags. I don't think you're going to notice it. But I think overall, some of these rules are fine. Like the bigger bases... I think in general player safety might increase some steals. I'm all for it. The shift ban at first, my thought for whatever reason even though youngest in charge movement leader me, young guy, I feel like the old guy in the room sometimes when it comes to baseball and I'm like, can we just leave it alone? Like ban the shift. Why don't you learn to hit the other way? I'll get into a little bit more later on why I think the the shift ban makes a little bit more sense. The pitch clock is the thing that's the biggest difference, and it's the thing I'm going to have the hardest time coming around on. It just seems a little bit quick to me. Now, the thing that it's going to make a difference on, and it already has, is the game times. The average game time last season was three hours and three minutes. Three hours and three minutes for a nine-inning game was the average time. Games in spring training are ending in two and a half hours. That's about the average, a a two-and-a-half-hour game that's cutting a half-hour off your time at the ballpark or listening or watching the game on TV. For some people, that's going to be good. For some people, they're not going to like it. We'll get some of your reaction. I'll give you more of my reaction here. It's overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.